website. Uh, well, tonight, um, I want to share a very brief uh, talk with you as we wrap up this series. We've been in this series um, called Home for Christmas, and it came to me about six months ago, somewhere in the summertime, and was thinking about the Christmas, and actually, sometimes even about a year before a Christmas service, I feel a word kind of spoken into my heart, and it was this idea that God said there's a, that there's just this phrasing that just was really putting inside of me, it was home for Christmas, because I see a lot of people decorating their houses, uh, uh, upgrading their houses, painting their houses, and so much to do in their houses, and yet it feels like sometimes, no matter what you do, it still doesn't quite feel like home. And there's a passage of scripture where a guy named Paul talks about that his citizenship was in heaven, that the reason we may not feel like we're home here uh, or home completion, or if you ever feel like you have your home complete, is because you're not home. And so uh, this whole series has been based around this, and we've lit some candles. There's three candles lit for our Advent season. Tonight, we'll light the last candle of love. And so we've talked about hope and peace and joy, and tonight, of course, about the word love. So, one of the most popular phrases that most of you, if not every single one of you, has heard or seen on a bumper sticker or on a billboard, on a pickup truck, on an 18-wheeler, on the highway, on a marquee sign, is this phrase, Jesus loves you. And so we hear this phrase a lot. We've seen this phrase a lot. People put it on T-shirts. Even in Orlando, if you go there on vacation occasionally, you'll see a guy on a plane. And he, have you ever seen him? He has like a big, I don't know, you call it smoke or whatever you want to call it, that he puts it out in the exhaust, whatever it is. I'm sure I'm getting that wrong, whatever technically that stuff is. But uh, he spells it in the sky, Jesus hearts you. Um, and so you see this all over, that Jesus loves you. When I was a kid, people used to sing the song, Jesus loves you, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so this whole thing about Jesus loves you, we hear about it all the time. The truth is, I heard it for such a long time in my life, but for most of my life, it meant nothing to me. I mean, I believed it. If you asked me, do you believe Jesus loves you? I would say yes, but it didn't have any really lasting impact on my life, well, tonight, I want to ask two questions, and I hope in some way that these encourage you and not condemn you in any way or make you feel beat up, but I want to ask two questions, and I'm saying that now because when I get to the second one, you're going to be like, oh, I don't know if I like that one so much, and I'm not sure I should have came, but I, but I think you should come, and I'm glad you're here, so I'm just telling you now, it might feel a little confrontational, but, but it's okay because the heart of this, I believe, is good, and, I, and that means I believe in my own heart it's good. I, I, somehow I believe that I've convinced myself. Okay, here we go. First question, how can you know that Jesus loves you? So, I mean, it was said that Jesus loves you, but for most of my life, and maybe if you're like me at all, you wrestled with that question whether or not Jesus does love you and what does that really mean? That he loves you. How can you really know that he loves you? What does it even mean for have Jesus love you? Well, I want to show you something in 1 John chapter 4. It answers this question. And here's what the writer writes. He says that God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world. That we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. The whole reason we celebrate Christmas, of course, is to remember the birth of Christ. And then ultimately, not just his birth, because it wasn't his birth that changed us. It was his death on the cross and then eventually, of course, his resurrection. That's why we're here. And 
I just say this to you now. This is important, what the writer writes. He says the way we can know that God loves us is because of what he did, not just what he said. When you look at the story of Jesus and most people, even an atheist, agnostics would agree with this, and even most historians would agree with the existence of Jesus. No one refutes the existence of Jesus, that this man did live, Yeshua, and he walked around in ancient Middle East, somewhere in Israel. He lived, he was hung on a cross, he was executed. No one refutes what happened to him. No one refutes his existence, where he was born, about the time frame he was born. Lots of documentation has been proven to show that he actually did live. The, the question really centers around his purpose of living. Do we actually believe in what he said? Was he who he claimed to be? According to Jesus, Jesus would say, if you were to read throughout the whole scriptures, I'll sum it up, it's, I love you. That the reason I came is because I love you, and the reason I'm going to the cross is because I love you, and the reason I'm going to resurrect from the dead is because I love you. It's all centered around his love for humanity, his love for you, and his love for me. That's what he said. But I think what really shows that he loves us isn't that he just said it because anyone could say it, but he demonstrated it is what John writes. Many of you know this. If you have sermon notes when you came in, if you do, if you want to write this down or take a note, you're welcome to. We often take notes because we love to take notes as a church. Uh, but key truth, write this in if you're taking notes. Love declared should lead to love demonstrated. If you're married tonight, you certainly wouldn't say it's okay for love to be declared without being demonstrated, right? You would say, you could talk to me about love, but you don't have to show me love. No, no love needed. No gifts needed. No massages on my back. No uh, special date nights. No love demonstrated is needed. You would say, no, 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 because if you declare it, you should demonstrate it. And at the same token, you can't say that you can just demonstrate it, but you don't have to say it, because the two go together. It's not just that actions speak louder than words, it's words also speak loud, so it's both together that both support one another. So Jesus didn't just say that he loved you. According to him, the reason why he died on the cross was ultimately because he loves you. So he demonstrated it, that's a fact, no one can refute why he did it. He said because ultimately he loves you. Scripture says that God is love, so in his character, everything he does is out of love for humanity. The reason why you're made, created, and exist in this world is because he loves you. So according to Jesus, he loves you, and the reason he loves you, and you can know that he loves you, is simply because he showed it and he demonstrated it by dying for you. Second question, how do you know if you know Jesus loves you? I mean, how do you know if you really know that Jesus loves you? A lot of people would say, yeah, I know that Jesus loves me, but how do you know if you really know that Jesus loves you? Because there's a lot of people who, who know that Jesus said that he loves them, but don't really know that he loves them. So how can you know if you really know that he loves you? Well, John writes four things that can help us indicate whether or not we love him. And let me just push on this for just a minute as I unpack these four things. Tonight, I could do a whole Christmas talk about the birth of Jesus, about this woman named Mary who was a virgin, and this little baby came down. He was in a little uh, kind of uh, messy cave, uh, just so you know, it wasn't all pretty like you see in your decorations, right? It would have smelled pretty bad, probably in a cave with a lot of manure around. 
And, uh, and so I could talk to you about this whole story that you've heard every single Christmas, but tonight I decided that the birth of Jesus called for something more than just a story about Jesus, but it calls for a response. That Jesus doesn't just enter upon humanity and leave us there, but the truth is the story of Christ demands a response from humanity. And so tonight, I just want to challenge this idea of a response. How do you know if you know that you love Jesus? How do you know that if you know that you know that he loves you? John writes about this, if you're taking notes, the first one is confidence in Jesus. I want you to consider this as I walk through some of these. First John 4, just a few verses down, he would write this. He would say, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. That word perfect is a Greek word that simply means completeness. In other words, it speaks of maturing. So you could say maturing love or made complete love, a growing love, drives out fear, it says, because fear has to do with punishment. But the one who fears is not made perfect, is not growing, you could say, or maturing in love. And of course, this is relating to with God. What's he speaking to? He's simply saying one way you can indicate or an indicator of a person who understands that Jesus loves them and understands what that means is they have a growing confidence in Christ. They literally have confidence in his word. They don't doubt what's in here. There's confidence. How do we know that? Because he says perfect love drives out fear. So I don't walk in fear. I walk in confidence because I know the sovereign God that I serve. There's confidence in my life in who he is. I can be confident that he will say what he, he will say. You know, he means what he says. He will do what he says he's going to do. I have growing confidence in him. I don't question him, so I walk upright knowing that he is with me and by my side, never to leave me nor forsake me. I have growing confidence in him. Is your confidence growing? It's one indicator that can tell us whether or not you really know that he loves you. Do you have confidence in Jesus? Do you have confidence in his word? Trust in his word. The second one, he says, is consistency with Jesus. It's the word consistency. He says this, just the next verse down, he says, whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. How about that? <laughs> wow, yeah, you're a liar if you claim to love God yet hate your brother or sister. Of course, that's speaking to not just literal brother and sister, but also brother and sister in Christ, which means all believers. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. What's John saying? He's saying if we say we love God, but we don't practice what he tells us, we're being inconsistent. We're being liars. Hypocritical, inconsistent. Actions not matching our words. It's a powerful thought for just a minute because the question then gets provoked. Jesus loves you. Do you love him? How can you know if you love him? One indicator is, are you consistent? In other words, you could say, I love Jesus, but do my actions like follow those words? According to John, he would say, if the actions don't follow the words at all, you could be, certainly, a liar. Therefore, you wouldn't really know that Jesus loves you because the knowledge we'll find in just a minute promotes an action out of you. Consistency with Jesus. 
These are people who would be consistent, at least at some level. The third one is cheerful obedience. This is what he says. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So he's simply saying there's a relationship established. And everyone who loves the Father, there it is. This is how you can know. Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. That means you love Jesus because you love the Father. So if Jesus loves you and you know he loves you, you gotta love the Father. And then he says in verse two, this is how we know that we love the children of God. Oh, this is great because now you can know leaving here tonight if you love God or if you don't. He says, this is how you know. How do I know? He says, we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. Now, the commands don't make us righteous and help us go to heaven, no. But watch what he says. In fact, this is love for God, keeping his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. The word burdensome in Greek means a heavy in weight. Let me say it to you like this. We don't grudgingly follow God's commands. We don't grudgingly follow and do what he says to do because we know that everything he do, does for us or says to us is out of love. How many of you are parents of children? Would you lift your hand? Do you have any children or grandchildren? Wouldn't you love for your children just to obey you? You don't want them, and wouldn't it be awesome if they could cheerfully obey you? You know, do your homework. Absolutely, that's such a smart, wise decision by you, mom, dad. I'm gonna do it right now. Fantastic, you're such a good, loving parent. Love you so much. Clean your room, brush your teeth, go to bed. Yes, ma'am, yes, sir, you got it, and I'm excited to obey you, right? Cheerful obedience. You would freak out. What's wrong with you? What happened to you? Who stole my real child? Where'd you go? Prayers have been answered. Jesus must come back. Is this heaven? You know. He says you should cheerfully obey because his commands aren't burdensome. They're not heavyweight. Because whenever God tells me to do something, it's for my good. Just like when a parent instructs their child to obey them, it's for their good. And so we plead with our children to trust us. Trust our judgment. Trust our advice. Listen to me. I'm telling you, this is good for you. And then it actually hurts us when they don't receive it because we know ultimately they're hurting themselves. It's cheerful obedience is an indicator that we know. That's how we really know, an indicator that we know that Jesus loves us. And the fourth one is the word conquering. Conquering because of Jesus. And let me explain why I put the word conquering. John writes this, for everyone born of God Here's another indicator, overcomes the world. You see, if you're born of God, if you have a relationship with God, you overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? And then he gives the answer, the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. That word overcomer is a Greek word, nikeo, which means to conquer. It's uh, where you hear the word Nike. It's the company Nike, named after the goddess of victory or Certainly no God at all, the false god, goddess, pagan god, goddess. That's where you get Nike from. Some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, I had no idea that I wear pagan god shoes. Okay, but um, so John says, sum up the life of a believer is one who conquers, one who walks in victory. Because a person who understands that they were born in Christ, that they died with Christ on the cross, 
and that they were resurrected to a new life and they have eternal life in heaven, walk in victory. They don't walk in death, they walk in life. Does that mean they're always happy? No, but they know victory is theirs. They conquer in life. They don't live in the same sin over and over and over again. There's conquering in that because what Christ has done for them. There's victory in their life. And in verse 17, and this is how I'll sum it up, a few verses in the back, I think this is the best way to know. He says, this is how love is made complete. That word made complete is the word perfect. Maturing, this is how love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment. Then he makes a statement. In this world, we are like Jesus. You see, what he's saying is when you come to know that God loves you, the response in return is you will want to be like him. This is how you can know if you love him. Write this into your notes. Knowing Jesus loves us, knowing that results in a growing love for Jesus. Do you have a growing love for Jesus? If you do not, it may be because you really don't know just how much Jesus loves you. Invite the band back up. We're gonna sing one final song in just a minute. And this is what I came to tell you tonight. And uh, for me, over the past uh, week, there's a question that's been rolling in me. And oftentimes when I deliver a sermon, I ask God, are you sure? <laughs> and the question was to ask you, do you love him? And it's certainly not a beat up way. It's certainly not to look back at 2023 and think of all of the bad things you did or something. No. But it's a question of simply response to his love for you. I can't think of a better time to celebrate the birth of Christ than to understand just how much he loves you and to make a decision to love him back and what that looks like. And so tonight, I know for my life, for most of my life, for many years of my life, people would say, Jesus loves you, but I had no real understanding of what that meant. And I can tell you today that the moment you give your life to Christ and begin to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to love you. And let me say this as we wrap up before we give you an opportunity to make a decision tonight. It's a personal story of mine. It's a, it's a really cool story. I, I can't help the whole thing, but uh, my wife and I, I've been married 16 years on December 7th, and uh, four children we have, 12, 9, 6, and 3. And um, it's, uh, it's an amazing blessing and excited. But our, our beginning of our marriage is a little unique. Uh, we were introduced by a, a friend, and, um, and then we met. And uh, we went out to dinner uh, just with some friends, and I had no idea she was interested in me. And, um, and I thought she actually liked my friend. My friend liked her, and so that kind of whole thing. And, and then she kept hitting me up on MySpace. Anybody remember MySpace? Thank God for MySpace. <laughs> um, so, uh, so MySpace, she, she hits me up on MySpace, you know, and hey, how's your day? You know, and just trying to have conversation. And I thought, you know, she was kind of shady. So I was like, good, you know. And uh, don't you know my friend likes, aren't you with my friend? And in my head, I'm thinking, this girl's not a good girl, you know. So uh, ended up finding out that they were not, you know, they were just friends and uh, ended up taking her on a first date, went to see a movie, so not a lot of talking. 
and, um, and went out to dinner a little bit, but we didn't really know each other that well. And then our second date, um, took her out to dinner about four days later. And that's where we really started talking over dinner, you know, more conversation. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, this is your wife. So I did what only a God-fearing man would do. I turned to this girl who I just met and I said, you wanna get married? And she said, yes. That's true. I know. And what's funny, if I tell that story, I hear in everybody's laughter. <laughs> you know, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But she said yes. And then I said, appropriately, isn't this kind of weird? And she said, yes. And then we cheersed. And we took a walk on the beach that night we thought it was important to get to know each other. I was like, what's your middle name? It's like, Anne. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. My mom's middle name is Anne. Okay, what's your middle name? My name's Douglas. Oh, okay, cool, you know. Where'd you go to school? <laughs> Where are you from? You know, awesome. Yeah, that's how it happened. 16 years. And every day since then, perfect marriage? No. No ever arguments? I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, we never argue. We just pray and sing songs together, man. That's awesome. Our kids lead us in communion, you know. It's, no. Here's what I can tell you, though. Our love has grown. It's a love that began with a decision, not a feeling. It's agapeo, agape love. It's the love that Jesus uses throughout Scripture. In fact, we had it written on our wedding cake, agape. It's a love that starts with a decision that grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. It's an unconditional love, and it begins with a decision. Here's what I can tell you. You don't have to feel it to follow. When you love God and you understand how much he loves you, it's just a decision, and it begins with a decision. And all the warm, fuzzy feelings don't always come. It's just a decision. When God speaks of his love for you, it's a decision that he made. That decision, certainly that love leads to feelings. Oh, and it leads to emotions. I have four kids to show you. There's a lot of emotion in our marriage. People ask me a lot of times, do you like kids? I'm like, no, I just love my wife a lot. So, decision. Maybe for you tonight, you heard Jesus loves you, but you want to decide to love him back. And tonight for you, it might just simply be, I'm going to put confidence in him. I'm going to reestablish confidence in him. On your seat or when you came in, you have a candle in your hand. You could grab that out. We're going to do something a little different tonight. As we sing our last song, as we wrap up, I'm gonna ask you to do something. You can turn all the lights off for just a minute. Don't turn them on just yet. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to turn those on in response to this. For some of you tonight, it might be confidence. You don't have a lot of confidence in God because the church hurt you. 
something someone said to you, a Christian said something to you, and you've lost confidence in God. Can I just tell you that they were not God? There's only one. And tonight, simply an invitation to reestablish confidence in him. Maybe things haven't gone the way that you thought for 20 years of your life, but you can decide tonight to put confidence in him. Prophetic words were written about him 700 years before he was ever born. According to Jesus, he did it all because he loves you. You can put your confidence in him, that he knows the best path of life for you. For you, it may not be confidence. You might have confidence, but it might be consistency. You look at 2023 and you see inconsistency. There's inconsistency in your life, but what you say and what you do. And tonight might be a decision of, that's me. Mr. Inconsistent, Miss Inconsistent, I want to reestablish consistency with God at the center of our marriage. I want to establish consistency in my life with Jesus at the center of it all. And you can do that tonight. Reestablish consistency going into the new year. Not waiting till the new year, but starting now. I'm reestablishing some consistency in my home with God at the center of it all. Why? Because this is an indicator that tells us if we love God. Maybe it's simply cheerfully obeying him. God's been speaking some things and you've been grudgingly obeying him, but not cheerfully. And tonight's might be a step to cheerful obedience. Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, I surrender. I'm in. Whatever you say. Yes, absolutely, because you're a good God and every plan you have for my life is good and I have confidence in you. I'm reestablishing that and I'm cheerfully gonna follow everything you call me to do in 2024. Or maybe it's conquering, a life of victory. A life of victory, conquering, that word just speaks to you and it resonates and it penetrates and you just think, I'm so tired of living the way I'm living in constant defeat constant shame, constant guilt. I'm done with it. I'm walking in victory because of what Christ has done in my life. And I want to declare victory on my life. And I want to walk in confidence and trusting and knowing who God is in my life. I'm going to live in victory. If one of those words resonates with you, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to turn on your lights. Would you pray with me? Close your eyes and bow your head. Jesus, tonight is your night. We've come to celebrate you, your birth, but not just your birth, your death, your resurrection. We thank you for giving us life. Thank you for the grace that you give us each and every day. And Father, I pray for those that are hearing, whether online or here in person, God would hear these words and just be spoken to by your spirit. So God, you go to work. This is your part to speak and penetrate the hearts of your people that they would turn to you, Jesus. If tonight it's reestablishing simply confidence in him, would you turn on your light? You say, I wanna give, Lord, I'm putting confidence in you. I haven't had a lot of confidence, but tonight I wanna put confidence in you in a particular situation that you're battling, a particular scenario. Maybe he's spoken a word that you didn't believe was true, but tonight you're saying, I'm gonna have confidence in that word that was spoken to me. I was called to do this. I was told to do that years ago. I put confidence in you. I've waited for somebody to explain that Jesus loves me, and tonight, Lord, I'm just gonna choose. I'm gonna decide right now in advance to put confidence in you that you are the only way to eternal life. You just turn on your light. 
maybe some others of you would say tonight would be more of about some about understanding this and Lord, I'm gonna be consistent. 2023 haven't been as consistent, but I'm gonna be consistent. I wanna be consistent. Consistent in what I say. I believe in you, but I don't always show it, Lord. This coming season, Lord, I ask you to help me be more consistent. You can turn on your light. For some of you, it's cheerful obedience. God's spoken, God has said it, you know it. And you've grudgingly run from it. But tonight, you wanna make a decision to cheerfully obey. Turn on your life. Finally, for some of you, you need victory in your life. Tonight, you can turn on that light by doing so, declaring now and forevermore, I will walk in victory with Lord. It isn't called me to live a life of defeat. My shame was defeated. My guilt was defeated. It was all nailed to a cross and I can live in victory because of what Christ has done for my life. You can turn on your light. Leave your light on and you hold it in the air for just a minute. And I'd like for everyone to open their eyes. I invite you to stand to your feet. And tonight, I'll light this last candle as I walk off. And I just came to tell you one thing Jesus really does love you. I mean, he really, really loves you. And he showed it because words declared should lead to demonstration. He loves you. Merry Christmas.